0: At the S&P, the stops. This IS This Money.
1: Welcome to Motley Fool Money, a very special Sunday mailbag edition. I'm Scott Phillips and with me as always, the man himself, Andrew Ram Page. How are you, buddy? I'm very good, my friend. How's things? That had the kind of almost a bit of a wrestling introduction vibe at that point, didn't I? I didn't mean to say, Andrew Ram Page! <laughs> got that kind of, you know. In the blue corner... Hailing weighing the- in in a weedy <laughs> 80 kilograms <laughs> but with the hardest biggest far lap <laughs> yeah. mate I'm, I'm very very well you having a good day? I am having a very good day yeah you know Excellent. look um,
2: I, I think uh, as we were saying before these, these lovely rainy days are just a great day to actually sit down and get some actual work done without the temptation of a sunny lovely day outside <laughs> there you go
1: We are pre-recording this of course So this one is a week later Yet only minutes later for us Such is the beauty of time travel And the theatre of the mind That is the podcast We are going to get on with some more Mailbag questions you have Thoughtfully, thankfully And appreciatively sent to us Because if we didn't have any Andrew would be telling jokes And I'd be singing And nobody wants that So we're. I'm not sure what, What's better Is your Singing or joke telling better mate What would you If you are forced to go on stage What would you go with uh, I'd probably lean towards the jokes, but the
2: disclosure would be they'd be all really bad dad jokes. Um, so no one wants to see that, but, but yeah. probably better than me trying to sing. So <laughs> lesser of yeah. two evils.
1: I'm probably, I'm probably in the same boat, though I don't mind a bit of sweet Caroline karaoke given the choice in a couple of beers. Uh, so, uh, Neil Diamond, love fair, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair, fair warning, mate. I can, I can belt it a bit of sweet Caroline given the chance. All right, let's... <laughs> actually, speaking of which, what is straw man? Remind me. <laughs> oh god.
2: <laughs> um, okay, let's try this. Um do you know that every when you go on, on the internet and and you you're you're looking for an idea or something to buy or whatever, and you find yourself in a random sort of chat room or a discussion forum. I, and well, a well, we're of, talking
1: about stocks still, just just so we're
2: clear. Well, it's like, hey, this is, this is 2021, <laughs> this is where people go, right? <laughs> Um, the trouble is, and I guess the problem that we're trying to solve yeah. is it's just full of noisy blowhards and <laughs> arguments and trolls and who are all these random people and this guy sounds good, <laughs> this girl sounds all right, but are they doing anything? We're just, we're just trying to wrap accountability around all of that. So we're all about sharing ideas and improving ourselves as investors, but we just, you know, we actually track people's performance and we actually do a bit of <laughs> peer review on the content that they post so that, you know, the community will, will sort of tell you whether they feel as though you've added any value so it, it, it's a it, it's a it's a tougher ask but we think you get a lot better quality content as a result of it and so far the results have been great since we've been since we've been running our little index our straw man index it's up about 40 percent per annum since 2017 so you know who would have thought You'd- when you put a bunch of engaged intelligent smart investors together um that you might get some good results and that's that's what we're all about
1: well done i like it a lot um i'm glad this didn't go in any other direction when you so i mentioned you said Random internet chat rooms. I thought this could have gone very, very badly, but I'm glad we ended up <laughs> could back have. at yeah. straw man just quietly. Could have gone very ugly. <laughs> Mates up, let's let's move on very quickly and very inauspiciously, straight to our question. Our first question from Tim. Guys, in a recent mailbag, you went to great lengths. Sounds like we ranted, I think he's saying in a nice way. To implore people Yeah, we ranted, not to sell winners early, to lock in profits, as that's how you miss out on ten baggers. You were dead right, Tim. Mm. Oops, here we go. Rampage, he says. Why are you selling down on Alcidian? In a previous podcast, you named this as one of your top expected best performing stocks over the next five years. Is your thesis busted after just a few weeks, or are you not eating your own cooking? Thanks for the insights. Cheers, Tim. She's not missing you, mate. He's he's lined you up beautifully. 10 paces, bang. Is he right? What's going on? I,
2: you just said before there's nowhere to hide on straw man. So Tim's <laughs> obviously seen seen my profile there and you now can see run, all the, the, hide. The, my little sample portfolio and all the trades that I'm making. And yeah, so I sold I sold uh, some shares on the 27th of April, and then again on the 26th of May. One at 38 and 5 cents, and one at
1: 41 cents. And yet, I've sort of said that I really like the business. Can I stop uh, you there, and, actually, mate? Just for full disclosure, yep. you, you actually sell shares, or is this your ch- changed your virtual portfolio? Just, just for your well,
2: for well, it's a, it's an excellent question. A bit of both. Um, cool. I okay. tend Thank to. You. There's different like what you do on a paper money portfolio is different to a real money portfolio because there are different tax considerations and, you know, I've, I've got a hundred thousand dollars of play money on straw man, but I don't have that sitting in my back pocket in real life. So there's not <laughs> a perfect match, but I do try to, you know, if, if you see that I'm holding something on straw man, there's a very, very good chance that I'm holding it also in real life and, and, and doing that. So, so what I would say is that this was nothing to do with my outlook or, or concerns over quality of the business or anything like that. I really like the business. Um, but what you'll also see, so if you go to my profile and then click on Alcidian, you'll go to the to my version of the company page and you'll see that I've got a valuation on there. So last time I did it, it was about three or four months ago, I said that I think shares are worth about 23 cents and I'll let people go and read that themselves. I give a, a bit of a mm. rationale for that and that 23 cents by the way assumes a fair bit of growth. So it was it was largely selling down on valuation concerns rather than anything else. I'm also uh, long in the long enough in the tooth to know that you don't want to take these things too seriously. So if it gets 5% over what my my valuation is, I'm not going to sell out, you know. I I've, I've, I've learned the hard way that being too clever by half with valuations can cost you a lot of money. Absolutely. So so even though I do think it's a great company and I do think it's a little bit overpriced, I'm still very happy to hold. And that's the point that I would really make here is that if you if you look at straw men, six and a half percent of my portfolio is in City, which is no small uh, weighting. So mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's not a black and white thing. Selling some shares doesn't mean I hate it. I still own lots of them. I'm still a very happy holder. Do I think it's a little bit overvalued? I do, um, but... But given the the runway, given the quality, given the opportunity, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try and sell out just just because it's a it's a bit overvalued. So if it went up if it went up another ten percent, I'd, I'd probably sell a little bit more. Um, it, it, there's also weighting considerations that happen here as well. So um, one of the best problems in the world to have is when you buy a stock. Maybe you start with a five percent <laughs> position, and it just mm. just goes to the moon. And maybe you even still think it's cheap and maybe um, uh, you still love the business more than in fact you, you liked it initially. But then you sort of look at your portfolio and think, "Wow, I've got forty percent of my portfolio mm. in one <laughs> single stock." So there's yeah, also an yeah, argument yeah. to say, just to you don't want to you don't want to be again too clever by half here. But when when yeah. weightings get very very significant, yeah. you, like for example, I always say, "What would your portfolio look like if you blinked mm. into existence today and everything you yeah. own was sold and you had to reallocate?" I, I would mm. never allocate. No matter you know, I'd have to love a business. An amazingly to an amazing degree, and have such high conviction in the quality, and think that there's virtually no risk for me to put 40% in anything. In anything, <laughs> yeah. so you yeah, dilute
1: from scratch, yeah, that's right,
2: yeah. So that's 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 the reason I, I think it's a great stock, I, yeah. And, and 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 I say this in all seriousness. I actually think all else being equal, if the share price dropped to 15 cents, I would actually think that mm. was just brilliant. Even though yeah, that right. on paper, that would, that would really take a knife to, to my <laughs> returns. Um, because as I say, all else being equal, it's still the same company as it was. I now get an opportunity to buy it at a much cheaper price. So no. so hopefully that
1: happens. Well, um, you know what I find really, this is a slight tangent, not much. Um, what I find really challenging is when my best idea, I've already got a large amount of money in as, as a percentage, Like it's one of those to be like, Mm. oh man, this is so cheap, but I've already got so much of it. And that decision of like, what do I do? Do I do I bite my tongue and just overweight because I just think it's the best idea I've got, or do I go, oh, I go the second or third best idea because I just I just still responsible to put too much money in that Mm. one position. You know, it's it's a real struggle. I've I've done both in the past. Um, I've absolutely put more money in this company that probably you know in theory would be well and truly you know overweight or at least you know comfortable weight, but you wouldn't necessarily add more. But I just look at it and go, but it's, I just have so much faith in that business. I want to buy more of it, right? Um, and mm. other times I've gone, well, I already have enough. I guess I probably should diversify or I should add to something else instead. It's a really it's a really tough challenge. Have you had that experience yourself? Yeah, I have. Um,
2: I, actually, in hindsight, with the benefit of hindsight, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I actually think that um, I'd be a much, much wealthier person <laughs> if if I hadn't done these things. So I think right, what right. I said was all, all still true. I, we talked before when we did our, our best best and worst performers. That yeah, you know, yeah. I, Pro, Pro Medicus for me is a sixty bagger. So I've I've it's wow. up sixty x on my initial That's investment, and yet I did the incredible. same things. I, I've I've lightened down along the way because of <laughs> waiting concerns and because right, of right, our, and right. all very sensible I think things to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, did it? Did it help me? No. It's it's actually cost me.
1: Well, I don't want to tell you how much it's cost me. <laughs> <Except> <laughs> in hindsight, mate, it's easy to see that that's success, right? You may have had yes. the same confidence in another company that subsequently created and is now worth five percent of what it used to be worth, and you wouldn't have a waiting problem anymore, but you'd have no money either. So it's in hindsight, it's easy to, to give yourself a hard time about it and say, gee, "I wish I hadn't," "Wish I hadn't." But you know, if it was a business that actually went the other way, if it was a ended up turning out, I don't mean this about Prometicus at all business had to be a fraud or a or, or terrible business or was beaten by competition or something else happened you're like oh man I had so much confidence in it and it turns out I was wrong or unlucky or dudded you know it's, it's, not, it's not a zero sum question it's not a you know it's binary to some degree after the fact but at the time it's far from sure despite even our, our highest levels of confidence that it is a sensible thing to do
2: I, I agree. Well, it's actually it's worked out in other cases uh, uh, for me. So, Pointera is another incredible winner for me. I was buying it at 4.3, 3.7 cents, 4 cents. Again, this is all on, on straw man. And, 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 it's it's like fifty cents today. It's been really great, life. but it just it, it, it had that huge problem. So I was mm-hmm. selling mm-hmm. some at seventy and seventy five and sixty one in terms of my most recent trades. I was also selling some a lot lower than that as well um, for all of those reasons. But now with that at yeah. fifty cents, was it was that one in, in particular? In hindsight, was it sensible to take a bit of money off the table? Actually, it was. And I yeah. love that company as well. But whoo, it's, it is it is priced. <laughs> it is. It right, is. Right, it right. Is, is. very full at price. So yeah, <laughs> I, I, that that they're, they're they're the nuances, I suppose, around around those trade decisions. There you go.
1: Great work, Tim. Thank you. Question from Ben. Okay, Scott and Andrew, regular listener, love the banter and the education information. Thanks, Ben. Last week you talked about off market transfers, and you mentioned the fact that it was maybe last week. Now when you're listening to it, but this was when the question came in. Uh, you mentioned the fact that you don't have to use a broker. You could literally, you and I could just assign shares to each other using an off market transfer. Could yep. this possibly, asks Ben, be a way for parents to invest for their children without incurring a tax liability? I.e., hold the shares in the parent's name and then sell them to the child (air quotes) at the original purchase price once they turn eighteen. Cheers, Ben. Now I'm not 100% sure
2: of this. I think you, I think you might be able to. I think it's up to us if we want to transfer shares. That you could sell me your Solpat shares for one cent each. Um I think that's the case. And if, if you do, well then you're you're copying a loss. Of course then I'm I'm locking in an extraordinarily low cost space and there will be a tax event for me at some point in the future. Mm. What I'm not sure about though is is does the ATO put some rules around the 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 divergence between our agreed price and what the, the
1: market price is? Mm. I don't know the answer either, Andrew. I have to say, what I I would I would strongly encourage Ben not to go down this path. Uh, we will have accountants listening to us, and if they want to let us know specifically, uh, feel free to, and we'll we'll definitely let Ben know on the program. It'll be a couple of weeks time because we're pre-recording this. But I will say one really important thing, but more than the actual letter of the law, the ATO have remarkably, remarkably wide powers called anti-avoidance powers. And I think it's very, very probable that if you were to do this and the ATO was to uh, see the results of that, they may not. You, may, you can take that risk if you choose to. I desperately wouldn't do that because I don't want to annoy the tax man. Um, but you need to be very, very careful. If the tax department decide you've done it specifically with the aim of avoiding tax or tax obligations, um, they may decide to um, give you some grief on that one. Remember, of course, that um, you can even say, look, when I, when I bought the shares in 2021, I did it for this reason. If they're looking at it in 2037, some you know, 16 years later, and say, you say that, but now in 2037, it looks like you're just trying to do that so you don't have to pay capital gains tax by selling to somebody else. That looks dodgy to me. Even even if you have the right intentions, even if you're genuinely 100% honest and they don't believe you, you're gonna have to prove that in court. And, and so those anti-avoidance powers um, are not something you want to tangle with. Generally speaking, I, I, you know, if, it, if, it's, if it's too cute a strategy, I would not do it. I just don't want to earn the eye of the ATO. Life is too short. Um, so I, I wouldn't do it that way. Remember, of course, you can simply have them in your name with a markation on the account saying in, uh, as trustee for and the child's name. As long as everything you do is consistent with that, the ATO has no issues with it and there will be no additional pack, tax payable. So just just be mindful of that. There are better, frankly, less risky, less, less, uh, less um, uh, attention grabbing ways to do something like that. Any more on that one, mate? I've just been furiously
2: googling, actually. Well, while, <laughs> <laughs> while you were talking, Re- there. researching. Sounds- you
1: mean you actually said googling? You meant researching?
2: Researching, researching. researching. Um, yeah, I think there could be some rules over over. I wouldn't what- be surprised if there were.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't uh, do it, man. Or at least, you know what? Go, go speak to an accountant. If, if, it, if it's a decent amount of money you're talking about, um, go and see an accountant for for whatever they charge. You would be well, well worth the advice. All right, mate, let's move on. i got a question from Lachlan. Lachlan says, hi, Scott and Andrew. As I'm sure, <laughs> sorry, as everyone I'm sure does, I love your podcast and I love the motive behind it to help everyday Aussies invest and live more financially savvy lives. You are dead right, Andrew. That's exactly what we're doing it for. Um, trust me when I say we get paid to work or Andrew is building his own business. Yeah, we get some brand benefit. There's some you know recognition, brand recognition and stuff that comes with this. Uh, but frankly, the, the passion behind it is just we want to help people invest. And if we can add a little bit for a couple of hours a week, then we're more than happy to do it. He says, my question is, um, I, I want to reach out to some of the investors of whom I believe my philosophy most greatly aligns. Firstly, I should start by saying, I'm a 19-year-old exercise science student uh, Lachlan, I hate you. As I always say to our young listeners, um, you have something that I could never have enough of and can't get back if I tried, and that is time on your side. Well done. Good man for starting early, by the way. Uh, I'm a nine-year-old exercise student who has been investing since I was 16. How good's that? I used some of the Fool's articles to help start my journey back at the start of 2018 and used a trust held by my mum in my name to buy my first shares. I carefully weighed up the risks and benefits of buying either A2 Milk or a Wilson Asset Management LIC and went for the latter only to have A2 Milk shares jump from $8.70 to 11 the very next day. Oh, man. I couldn't believe I'd missed out on that opportunity and the chance to double my investment over the next few years. Of course, he says, now my decision to not buy A2 Milk seems smarter. Yeah, the A2 Milk share prices are not, not that well recently. Anyway, he says, I was just wondering how you both view the near-term performance of growth versus value says in brackets or as i suspect you don't really care and b how you got into investing and if you're enjoying your careers as since i started investing a few years ago writing everything that has happened it has really grown into a passion of mine and i'm considering changing into a business or commerce course while i'm still young any insight you can give would be terrific to help inform me look forward to hearing you hearing from you and thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedules kind regards lachlan now, Andrew, uh, Andrew Justice P.S. Andrew, I've recently started using Strawman and loving it. Woo-hoo. He's uh, given, given some recommendations for you for the business, mate. So I'll, I'll pass this on to you uh, separately. You. We won't, won't go through those now. Uh, but so, uh, some, so good man Lachlan, well done. And glad you're enjoying Strawman and the Motley Fool. It's a good combination, we think. Mate, um, what do you reckon? So, firstly, how do you view the, the, the near term performance of growth versus value?
2: do you have a view no I don't have a view no I care I care I just I don't I don't know how to answer it um, yeah. I, and that's not just growth or value it's like anything near term I, I just I don't know how to square
1: that circle It's, it's is it Howard too, Marks who talks about the, the matrix of like what's what's important and what's knowable and like yeah, if it's important yeah. and knowable you should, uh, you should do it if it's important and unknowable then don't waste your time because it, it's important but you can't know it so it's it, it's almost not worth worrying about right
2: yeah I mean I I, you can have perspectives on it but it's it's not it's nothing that I I would have any conviction in which to put real money change the allocation of money in regard to so I wish I had an answer I, I, I don't um I, I am general. Uh, we've all, we've, we've commented before that growth and value are joined at the hip. There's, it's yep. a bit of a false dichotomy to, to my mm-hmm. mind. I think even if you're very focused on growth companies, you still want to have an eye on, uh, on value that you're, you're paying a sensible price for that growth. Yep. Um, so, so there's that distinction as well. The second question is really an interesting one. So I, mm-hmm. I fell into investing really by accident. So my, I actually did a, a degree in microbiology mm-hmm. and, and, uh, Just in the late nineties, had to get a a job after finishing my career, and I ended up. You had a real job then, were not you? I was going to, and then and then uh, so I ended up I ended up working for Comsec of all places back when they were just starting, and you know if you could fog a mirror, you got a job Mm. back in those days, and so (laughs) I that was either like shave down a chimp or let's give this guy a go, and and so I, I I totally fell into it. By, and it was always for me, I'll just do this for a little bit until, until I find a proper job in science. Right. Um, and you know, sliding door moment. That's just sort of uh, that just sort of set set the whole trajectory. Can I say? Um, and this isn't against any particular employer, which I've all very much appreciated <laughs> their right, support right. over the years. <laughs> I hate I hated working in the industry. I hated it so oh, much. No. Okay. Um, I, I and and it's because while I love investing, I and mm. I, it, it's a real passion of mine there's an institutional imperative at play. So when you're working for a broker, it's just all about getting your clients to trade as much as possible because that's how brokers make money. You know, buy a a good quality basket of shares and put them in the bottom drawer is not what your broker (laughs) is ever going to tell you. Exactly, exactly. You know? Um, And you also have, and then when I sort of worked my way up the hierarchy a little bit and started working for the industrials uh, analyst team and whatever, it's just you are are measured under such short timeframes that your job really does become what do I think is going to be the best performing share
1: this year. And as we've said repeatedly, I can't do that. And how, in fact, how, I've never seen. You square that circle of the job. I'm actually curious as to someone. I, I've not. I've not had anyone who's left that sort of job be able to tell me the truth honestly. So I've never asked it. But what? What, what do you? How do you go through that? Do you, do you? genuinely try and have a best guess? Like how do? You, how do you do that process when you don't know? I think earlier on, I was young and naive enough to think I could. Oh, okay. And yeah.
2: and and so. It, and then when i started to realize well it wasn't just that i couldn't do it but you just started looking around even with the the people who have been there for years like well you can't do it either
1: what are we all
2: doing yeah i mean yeah. Well, we yeah. are we are wonderful <laughs> um creatures when yeah. it comes to protecting our ego and rationalizing things and yeah. stuff and so i think a lot of people i mean no one thinks they're they're evil right. <laughs> or not yeah. that evil is the right word or that they're doing yeah. they're doing yeah. bad things but you know it, yeah. it, it so it, it got to a point where it, it Actually, just it almost became like for mental health reasons I just couldn 't do it because it was such a soul destroy- they, they really take their pound of flesh from you right. you 're trying right. to do very hard things that in a very yep. competitive yep. Yep. environment. Yep. And I just so so, and this is this is a generalization. There, there'll be there'll be areas within the the finer indi- finance industry at large, which I'm sure are mm-hmm. fascinating mm-hmm. and and really really rewarding kind of careers. But the ones mm-hmm. the, that I I had sort of in the proper proper finance space, it it just wasn't I I wasn't I wasn't built for these really really um, long demanding hours where we're all trying to do things that I kind of thought were not really practically achievable. <laughs> <You're right>. And <laughs> it's a tough combo. I saw in the ABC the other day, they had an article, they, they crunched through some ABC stats and they're talking about the most well-paid professions. Mm. Mm. So you got surgeon at the top an etherist was there mm. as well. I and saw it, that
1: too, actually.
2: Number four was oh, financial yeah. advisors and yeah. they're like a subclass of that. And it just seemed- By the you way, you
1: see, like, see the average dollars they earned? Can I tell you, they're not yeah. working for the Motley Fool. I don't know what, I don't know what I, straw man pays, but someone's getting paid a lot of money. It's not us.
2: There's a lot of money <laughs> being paid to to a lot of people, oh, and you, you got to wonder like, what yeah. value
1: are you really creating? It's, well, I Charlie love that Morgan we're talking about, about book- that. Right? Get out of Wall Street, go and be an engineer or a scientist, or go and create some value for someone.
2: What's what's the saying? As like, uh, Wall Street is where people. Uh, drive in a mercedes to get advice from people who catch it catch that a like train the subway. or something like that <laughs> yeah, you exactly, know exactly. or there's the other one which is that that wonderful book which is where are all the customers yachts yes um French you way. know so so you do have people at the top of this sort of industry that earn insane obscene amounts of money and it's like well your clients aren't <laughs> i don't know this is this is a horribly jaded and cynical view all i all i would say is is that like a lot of industries, the, the actual day to day of mm-hmm. that, e- even if you um, even if you love the, the investing, working in the investing industry could be a very mm-hmm. very different thing. So I've I found that for me it's better to pursue things that I'm far more interested in doing, but then invest on on the sides. <laughs> and So I mean, I get I get to do I get to participate in a way that is right for me, and I get the full benefits of investing, but I don't have to work in an industry which which personally doesn't resonate for me. Except that's what you're doing.
1: Yeah, you're but I for business in that industry.
2: Yeah, but but with what I'm doing with with straw man is, is it's very different to what most brokers and analysts and sell side and all that kind of stuff is is doing. I love I love, yeah, I love running this,
1: this this yeah. this uh, website, but it's it's a t- it's not it's not the typical experience. I would say <laughs> it's not. Look, I can add much more to what Andrew said. Um, I so the Motley is not a typical employer, uh, and people say to me, "How can I get started in finance?" Like, well. It depends because if you, maybe you work for Straw Metal, the Motley Fool, um, you know we have we have had uh, science PhDs. Uh, doc was a was a uh, is a computer science PhD. Um, I came out of industry directly into this job, um, not as CEO of course, but, but as an analyst. And then worked my way out from there. Um, we've had people from all sorts of backgrounds, and we're not typical. <laughs> the, typical mm-hmm. the typical the typical the uh, typical unful- and this is the chance. So I will I will share it. I won't I won't name this person. Uh, but I was talking to a colleague who was not one of the investing team recently, and this colleague was sharing with me a question that was being asked in an assignment at uni, and they were asked to calculate the slope and regression of the beta of a stock, and then talk about <laughs> its risk. Kill me now. And well, that's what I kind of said, and and it's hard, right? Because that's what that's what the finance industry want you to do. That is that is traditional. Um, typical finance whereas like that? that's what you have to do and the thing is not only is it probably useless probably a waste of time everyone else can do the same maths anyway so there's no advantage in it and that's what the finance industry want and so mm. if you want to play the game you've got to play the game and I don't say that either necessarily negatively or positively I'm just saying you need to know so Lachlan to your point Andrew I, like, it sounds stupid I'm in the industry I'm saying don't do it you're in the industry you're saying don't do it what we're kind of saying is there are very few employers where this is a this is a deeply satisfying job. If you want to go and be a great financial planner or advisor, I think there's a great. So uh, don't don't be a professional stock picker. It's a waste of time. If you want to go and help people manage their financial lives and be a financial money coach, life coach from from finance, go and do that. There's, there's the world the world desperate is more great, ethical, responsible financial planners and advisors who are going to give people great help. To achieve their financial goals, that's a super valuable thing to do in the finance industry, um, and and without selling your soul. If you want to go and f- buy, you know, do your own business or join one of like bit like us. There's not many of us around. There's a couple. Um, then do that, uh, and, and and be responsible and, and respected, and, and do the right thing by people. Um, and look, we're not perfect. I don't I don't claim that, but you know we're trying to do the right thing by people the right way. Um, yeah, I. I I don't. I struggle to. I struggle to say to people, go and join traditional finance, as you've already said, Andrew. Traditional analysts or brokers. Just, it's just tough, right? Again, I've disqualified I've myself from every job in in finance already. By the time I've got to this point, because I've, you know, criticised and criticised and, and argued against incentives and and bad behaviours and practices and all sorts of stuff. Um, so I don't know what to tell you, mate. I, look, if you if you if you're interested in business, that might be different. Maybe there's a job in in business which is not necessarily investing per se, um, or as Andrew says, do it inside. Do, do a job you love if you, want to, if you want to be an exercise student go for it if you're passionate about investing be passionate on the side um, by the way the other problem is that you've got to run the risk like everything if your hobby becomes your job it can actually stop being enjoyable and that's the other risk right is you want to be careful you don't kind of go I love this so much I did it all the time and now I don't love it anymore it's like so, so you've I've lost got, your hobby and, you, and your job go on mate
2: i got a few i got a few mates who are chefs And let me tell you, every night for dinner they have a toasted sandwich. (laughs)
1: Yeah,
2: do you know? Like they think, oh, you know, oh, you are married to a chef. You must eat like really, like well, occasionally, but more often than not, it's spag bowl or because all day they're (laughs) cooking.
0: That's what they do, you know. And then, and and then it's
2: like, I now I am going to come home and make up a, you know, lobster marinara or something like. Nah, and it's I, I do, I did, I, 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 yeah, I've I've had that just in regard to investing as well. Just all day reading balance sheets and doing this. That's like yeah, oh, yeah. I'm going to do it again. Here's another thing that I. This is the the, the real or, or one of the real uh, epiphanies I, I had was working for various organisations, and they mm. all good organisations have trade rules. So for the, so you you can't go and buy a bunch of shares and then issue a buy recommendation because yeah, right. there's that's so there's usually restrictions on that. And I remember having a chat with with one of the team members a certain organizations like we were about to release a report on a particular company, and having done all the work on it, I was actually quite bullish and excited about it and I was saying, "Oh, so when you know when 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 our when our trade um, embargo is blocked, are you going to buy some shares?" and, and like the, the a couple of members of the team looked at me like, "No, like, why would I? and it just seemed like what but we've just said <laughs> we've just said yeah. this is a great buy like why?" Yeah. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? And I was always really surprised too. And I'm ge- again, I'm generalising here. Definitely heaps, yeah, of, heaps yeah. of exceptions, heaps and heaps of exceptions. Yeah. But there was there was more than I figured in terms of the number of people who just who who worked in in the investment mm-hmm. advisory space. But just really like yeah, they might have had a small portfolio there, but you know, mo- not, m- most of their money would have been property or, or other things. And it just I I I couldn't reconcile. I couldn't Mm. reconcile that. It's like if why aren't you to to the earlier question we had? Why aren't you eating your own cooking? Like you're you're either disingenuous or something. And it was yeah. It it. I'm glad to be out.
1: Well, I think we've successfully destroyed Lachlan's dream. Sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) We've completely trashed his dream. But look, yeah, love love your degree. By the way, if you want to go and do a business and finance degree because you love business generally or finance generally and you want a job in some sort of related industry go for it Um, just be careful what you wish for with stock picking I guess is what we're saying Motley Fool
0: Money financial advice for real people not trust fund hippies sign up for the newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M
1: a question from Tim another Tim hey Scott Andrew love the podcast thank you oh here we go I have a thought experiment I love thought experiments Sorry, this is Ben. I put I put two questions together. Hang on, I've I copied two questions together. This this is Ben's question. I love the podcast. I have a thought experiment I think could be a bit of fun for you. Imagine your entire portfolio had to be invested in just two stocks for the next ten years, with no opportunity to sell either until twenty thirty one. Ninety five percent of your portfolio has to be invested in one stock. There's not an ETF. Jeez. Uh, LIC or conglomerate so no Berkshire Amazon West Farmers Solpats etc oh, it's not a conglomerate anyway the second pick will start as a 5% percent position but you only get to maintain ownership if its share price is at least 20 times higher than it is now at the end of 10 years. In other words if it goes up 19.9 times or less you lose it all. What are your two picks? Cheers from Ben. The, our listeners are getting uh, are getting uh, very imaginative and very challenged with their thought experiments mate I, I don't I don't dislike it but it's um, very, ben, ben is clearly driving a very specific um, set of <laughs> outcomes here um, wow okay wow. so you're gonna you're gonna go first or you want me to go first Uh, I'll give it a
2: crack. It's a, it's a, I really love the question. I'm, you know, disclaimer, I'm never, ever going to do this. in in (laughs) Um, But I I really, it does, it does. And he's asked the question because it it is, it is informative, I think, in terms of of the answers. So if I'm going to have something where 95% is, is in just one stock for 10 years, I'm, I'm going to be very much focused on the downside. So I'm going to probably go for something which I know is not going to be that 20 bagger or 10 bagger or something, but I know that it's at the end of the day, my money is still there and probably has got a, a reasonable return. So it's probably going to be something that might be a little bit boring. I'd probably go with a Cochlear or a CSL or a Woolies or something like that, which I have every confidence will be around in 10 years' time nice. and likely earning a little bit more than it is it is today. Um, any right, any of those?
1: Company? Uh, I,
2: I'll go, I'll go, uh, I gotta go CSL. I, I think CSL I is nice. a really great company. Um, there you go. Yeah, I, I'd be pretty, pretty, pretty happy with that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't own any at the moment, though. That, that, that should also be said, but that's more of an opportunity cost comparative
1: uh, yeah. decision, more than. More that's than a different question, else. right? You're not, you're not trying to protect the outside by definition, which is the question that was asked. So different, yes, different yeah, thing. yep.
2: So when it comes to the other one, I actually, I actually do spend a bit of time looking for these. I, I've, okay. I've got, I, you see that on my straw man portfolio, some real small stocks in there. I know that mm-hmm. on, as a, as a basket, there's going to be some that are absolute disasters, but I'm also hopeful that we'll get a few really nice ones that are yeah. in there. Having to commit to just one is hard. I've got to tell you, I've, I'm really struggling with it at the moment, like. A year ago, I would have said uh, uh, Point I would have said uh, uh, Alcidian. Uh, I, um, I would have said Dragon Tail, like these really tiny companies that I was just quite excited about, but the market mm-hmm. had yet to discover. The trouble with all of these ones today is, is that well, one's got a takeover bid on it and it's going to disappear pretty soon, um, and the others are trading at very, very, very uh, high high prices. Um, so, so you don't you don't have that upside, and so I'm I'm genuinely looking for the next <laughs> one that I can add add to that group because I, cause I, cause I yeah, actually don't yeah. don't don't have an answer um, for that one. But I will say this: mm. so there's one there's one that I've liked for a while. There's one that I've done really well on it's 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 down about half from where it was a year ago Mm, mm. but it's delivered me a 47 percent compound return since 2017 so i can't (laughs) i can't complain and there's been some adjustments along on the way yeah just saying hashtag just saying (laughs) um but it's it's called enviro suite and it's it's had a bit of fall from grace lately they've raised some more money they've pushed back their break-even target they took on this big acquisition. Mm. So there's mm. a few factors there. But I, but I think it's it's probably one that I'll nominate for the purpose of this thought experiment. It's now only about 10 cents. A lot of the options that that are incent, that management mm. are incentivized mm. around are at strike prices that are much higher than that and we're mm. set mm. even at, at, at a point before the share price came. So I think management is genuine in their belief in what they can do. So these guys do uh, uh, environmental monitoring. The actual small company but genuine world leader in their field fast-growing mm. uh, uh, opportunity here. I, I think there's definitely huge risks around this, but I think if they get it right, they've got every potential to be a $2 stock in 2031. So I'll, I'll nominate Enviro Suite, and that's nice. that's nice. that's in my straw man, straw man portfolio very, today. Very good. Thank you, Matt. Uh, I'll go,
1: pool. Ben. Um, I I share your thoughts about... Um, um. Uh, about the 95% position, Ram. I I think Amazon's a conglomerate. By the way, uh, Ben has specifically excluded it from his list arbitrarily. It's not an ETF, L S E or conglomerate. Um, I've got a couple of business lines, so I mean, but not realistically, it's one business. Anyway, uh, in the US, I would be tempted to go for something like a Google, for example. I, I'm not. That's not my choice. But if I was picking one with, and the reason yeah, I say Google choice. is kind of for the reasons that you've highlighted before, Ram, in a different way. Is there risk to search possibly? But Google has got super smart people with fingers and a whole heap of different pies, um, and, and so just just you know almost by definition, um, I, I would back that to not have lost meaningful amounts of money over nine, over over ten years. So for that you know that sort of business, I'm not going with that one, but that's just for what it's worth. That's something that's not a traditional defensive business, but one where the structure of the organisation and the people make it likely I think to do well. Um, here at home, an honourable mention to someone like Macquarie Bank. Um, I wouldn't go with Macquarie because every chance that they manage to screw something up and blow the whole place up, um, doesn't mean I shouldn't buy it, but I just I want the option to sell it. Um, again, for the same reasons, right? You've basically, Macquarie is largely, I mean, it almost is a conglomerate in, in a sense. Um, it's one company, but you've got a whole lot of smart, thousands of smart people whose job it is to try and make money for themselves and for the company. And Macquarie itself has changed Almost form what two or three times RAM over the last twenty years. Just yeah. gone from one sort yeah. of business to another sort of business. It was an asset owner and ticket clipper, then it was an outside investment bank, then it went to asset ownership. Then it kind of lots likes said, commodities trading and, and owning, you know, green banks and stuff these days. Um it will it will it will shift and, and um and change shape and form as the market opportunities require. So again, from the perspective of a business that's not stuck in its current business, um, does it make it a kind of L I C of sorts in the way that, that Ben's mentioning? Probably. Uh, he's probably looking for a single operating business, but Macquarie gets an honorable mention. I'm going to go for Woolies, mate. Um, I I love Cochlear. Um, is there a chance that in year nine someone comes up with a genetic solution that that puts Cochlear out of business eventually? Yes. Um, so maybe I lose money in the in year ten on that happening. For example, I would actually avoid CSL for the same reason. I know you've you've chosen it, but I would mean mm. yeah. You know, given given it's a downside protection, um, and look, could someone else be selling groceries? Probably. But Woolies' dominance, uh, I think, makes it most likely that even if the way we buy groceries changes, and it will, um, I think Woolies will keep um, will keep doing well. So that's my ninety five percent position. My, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really go at a limb on this five percent one. Um, I Ben, I think you've actually probably gone too hard on the on the twenty x. Um, I don't know if we went back ten years, Ram. I'd be surprised if there's a single company that's twenty x over that ten year period. And so if you're asking me to pick a, a company that's going to 20X over the next 10 years, um, I am almost going to, if you ask me 5X, there's a whole lot of business. If you ask me 10X, there's probably still a decent number of businesses. A uh, 20X I think is just so incredibly massive. Um, honestly, if you're asking me to do that, I, and I have to lose it all if I don't, you're asking me to buy a lot of ticket, and so I'm going to buy a lot of ticket. So I would, honestly, I don't do this at all, and to Ram's point about, you know, there's not what we do but if you're asking for the, for the thought experiment, i actually go a Speccy Miner a biotech. Quite honestly, I literally would be like, you know what? If it's twenty times or nothing, I'm. Bi- you're 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 compelling me to buy a lot of ticket where there's no division two, three, four or five prize. There's only like, there's a million dollars or there's nothing. That that's my only choice. It's a binary outcome almost, and I don't really know that I would. Uh, you might be right about virus sweep, by the way, mate. But I I don't I don't. I don't feel like there are you know, many companies that you could even go close to having any degree of certainty over about a 20X. So I would literally go for, you know what? I'm buying a lot of tickets um, and I'd be looking for a, a, a mining explorer, uh, probably in gold. i probably go lithium because I don't think commodities are as likely to be that expensive or that high in that period of time. Like a Fortescue, for example, that, that's kind of the, the equivalent, right? So maybe in gold... Um, probably in gold maybe in copper I don't, I'm not a big commodities bull as you guys well know but um, probably probably a, probably a specky gold miner I might go with like a, a, an Alzheimer's or cancer biotech again massive 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 market almost zero chance of being successful but if it did it would go through the roof so that's how I, that's how I do it
2: I will I will. yeah it's totally totally fair um, I would say that the, the 20x's are more perhaps common than you think so is it really okay Pro, Pro was more than a 20x uh, yeah, zero was overvalued. More...
1: it's a terrible company
2: zero zero i mean 10 years ago not even 10 years ago when was it in 2013 Mm -hmm. you could have picked up shares for five bucks um so that's that's a 20x they're out there they're definitely and they're not and the interesting thing i think is with yeah i mean you know aiming only for 20x is probably not the way to go but but what I find interesting, and, and hindsight bias being what, what it is, <laughs> I think I think they're 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 a step or two below the lottery ticket because even at those points in time for those those mm, two mm. examples that I go over, there are there are others out there. they are actually yeah. businesses with sales and with a product mm, mm. and with market traction and with you know what I mean. So it's kind of like yeah. it's it, it was it's still there's an alternate history out there where they both went to zero, but. But they were—they're far less speculative, to my mind, than the the, the the office in WA that might, you know, send a drill down and find a gazillion tons of gold or something yeah, like that. Yeah. But
1: yeah, it's exciting stuff. I do, I do like, I do like that end of the market. Fair enough, fair enough. I'll leave it to you. Uh, here's one from Tim. We might be this is our last one for this episode. We might have one more. So uh, uh, here we go. Hi guys, I was reminded of David Gardner's rule-breaking traits reading a recent Twitter thread. And I was wondering what, if any ASX companies, would fit this description. I thought Afterpay might be one of the few. Kind regards, Tim. That's a good one, mate. We're kind of getting into a little bit of specificity here. It's hard to kind of do rule breakers, um, uh, how to make how to, how to rule breakers proper justice here without going through the whole thing and then coming back to it and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's, a, it's a difficult. Um, uh, I don't. I don't avoid the question because it's a really good question. Um, I just. I just don't want to kind of go to a, um, uh, t- try and answer it and explain the whole thing and spend an hour and a half trying to explain. It. We probably should. You know, what we probably should do. We probably should try somehow at some point, maybe hopefully, uh, to get David Gardner uh, to actually come on the on the on the podcast. Oh, that'd be about, awesome! Actually, oh, yeah, yeah actually we Actually talk about the. Um, uh, yeah, talk about the the. Rule Breaker investing and how that kind of works. So I'm actually, I'm trying to find quickly um, the, the Rule Breaker traits and I can't find them. Uh, Doc would know them off by heart if he was still with us. So he could he could have that conversation at a different time. Basically the idea is David's looking for companies that aren't conventionally, um, not even attractive, but aren't conventionally understood by the market in the same kind of way as perhaps you might think about a company that has... Um, yeah, it's not a Woolies, right? It's not, it's not a Cochlear As we talked about before, mm, he's looking mm. for he's looking for businesses that have uh, good sales growth and momentum, well run, a uh, whole lot of whole lot of things that make part make up part of that kind of. Um, uh, what do I'm trying. I'm trying to. Without, it's hard to explain without explaining it. Right, they going deep, deep into the weeds. But basically, he's he's a growth investor, and he's looking for businesses that are doing things differently, that are breaking the rules, that are innovating and disrupting in a way that is going to generate meaningful, meaningful long term opportunities, perspectives, growth uh, for for shareholders in a way that kind of make um, you know make 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 some degree of of sense. And I think that's. Yeah, it's it's really really hard to, to under underpin it. Are there particular companies that you would? So let, let me let me run through them anyway, just just quickly as a, as a list. Then we can I can ask you if you mm. any come to mind. No. We're not going to do it justice. First one. So you talk about top dog and first mover in an important emerging industry. So you want the leader and something that's emerging. That's probably the first two things. Um, you want something with a sustainable competitive advantage. Uh, something that does differently or better than somebody else. He wants strong past price appreciation. He's thinking there is basically that if a company's shares are going up strongly, they're probably doing something well. Now, you have to be careful you don't just buy sentiment there, but if it's doing something well, that can be reflected in the price. Um, good management and smart backing, so yeah, good, good quality leadership and or insider owners. Strong consumer appeal generally, and again, that's largely a question of market size. It kind of um, captures... You know, you can you can do this at a business level, but most rule breaker stocks are consumer stocks because the markets are much much bigger, and also consumer appeal tends to talk to brand loyalty things that are as prevalent in the business world. And lastly, and this is a bit of a again because he's breaking the rules, um, overvalued according to traditional media. Uh, And again, his his idea there is basically just his kind of you know looking for stuff that other people misunderstand. And if they're, saying it's, if they're saying it's overvalued, there's a chance that people don't understand it well enough. I, I'm not a massive fan of this one. I'm happy to say that. Um, I would say David's face, although respectfully, because David is a spectacularly great investor, much better than me. So I, I say it with with only um, some degree of, of caution. Um, but yeah, overvalued according to the media. And I guess if you go through that, uh, you know, um, Tim mentions Afterpay, so overvalued according to the media, possibly strong consumer appeal, definitely good management, smart backing. I'm not sure if it's too early to know in the long term, you know, the fullness of time, whether we have exceedingly great management or whether it's just a you know, the, the right trend at the right time. Is there is there continued success there, maybe? Strong past price appreciation. Well, depends on when you, <laughs> from what point, but they've certainly got up a lot. Sustainable advantage. We could probably argue that one. Uh, and top dog and first mover. Yes. Important emerging industry. Certainly emerging is important. Maybe, yeah, it's financial services. So if you wanted to make the argument that Afterpay was a rule-breaking stock, I guess you could make that argument. Um any thoughts on whether Afterpay meets those those criteria, Ram, or Whether there's a whether there's a company that kind of tends to uh, describe itself to you as a rule breaker? Yeah. Oh, what a
2: tough question. I think I, Afterpay yeah. was <laughs> exactly. a really really good example of that at in in twenty nineteen. Where it had all of those kinds or well, most of those kinds of of, of yeah, traits. But- um, and I, and, and including a strongly appreciating uh, share price, um, yep. and it was also definitely considered overvalued by the market. Mm-hmm. Um, but these rules, you know, then they there are <laughs> there is a point at which. And I guess what I'm trying to say with Afterpay is that it gets to the point where it's sort of, and I've made this argument before, is like, I think that even when you do factor in phenomenal ongoing market dominance and growth, yeah. the return from 150 bucks which it got to, or even 100 bucks today, mm. is just, mm. it, it, is, it is too much in the price. Right. Yes, I get what David's saying, that yeah. they are traditionally yeah. overvalued and the rest of it, but... Man, that thing is just is so, 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 so expensive. Um, Mm, mm. So, you know, price to book of uh, 30 times price to sales of what is that? Uh, Something insane price to earnings of infinity Mm, mm. because it's not making any money. So, so, (laughs) so, so so potentially, um, but, but no, not, not for my mind. Okay. Uh, again I, I, I wish I asked me a year ago I, I would I'd be I'd be nominating some other companies that, that fit that bill but by the same token mm, it's mm, just mm. you stretch that valuation band far enough it just gets closer and closer to snapping so I, I do I do struggle um, hmm. I'm gonna keep thinking while you talk <laughs> to buy myself <laughs> some time
1: <laughs> it's um, uh, yeah like I don't I don't I, I, so I will say hand up I'm not a rule breaker investor right I said before I'm not a high growth investor Um, not something I do or try and do it's not it's not a a, a, an area I think I have particular expertise in so I you know I I almost be disqualified from the from the running in the first instance even the afterpay one even as you say it Ram I could almost imagine a rule breaker type investor I'm not I won't put words in David's mouth specifically but I could imagine them maybe saying no no, I still think it's worth for for all those reasons even though you think it's horribly overvalued I think it could be you know 25% of all payments in the world in the next you know 25 years and so you know amazon was at one point as as overvalued in you know, air quotes as, as afterpay right and, and it's and it's, you know i'm not not just even disagreeing with you i wouldn't buy Afterpay. i'm not a i'm not a buyer but i can imagine a rule breaker investor saying, yeah i'd still do it because i still think it could be you know multiples of this size and profitability and grow into those into that you know wealth past that share price so you know mm. there's there's whenever i put my non-rule breakery perspective on it <laughs> i'm arguably undermining the very concept of it um so look i I don't know either, mate. I can't. I can't think of it. The problem with the Australian businesses tends to be um, they struggle to get global traction. I asked me this wi is particularly a good example. So, how big is the market really? How big could they be really? Those are those are open questions and, and ones that I think are are worth asking. Um, uh, we don't tend to also have the same degree of, of well, large market, but also tech. And I don't, I don't, I don't love tech. David Gardner uses the word tech, by the way. He never uses tech um, as a, as a descriptor because um, again, he he has the same view as me, which is that tech is not particularly useful. And there's so many things that encompass tech; it's almost useless. Um, but he does, he does look for growth. He does look for innovation, disruption. Those are some of the things that I think he's looking for. Um, I don't, yeah, man. I I don't honestly. I, 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 I almost, I'll opt out of the question <laughs> because um, I'm not the sort of investor I don't think who is going to get this most right because my, my style is not that. And so I'm probably inclined to undervalue uh, some of those things or maybe even just kind of um, dismiss those things that, that rule breakers would actually look at and go, no, that's, that's exactly, you know, uh, undervalued on, on after pay. Well, it's exactly the problem, you know, like that kind of stuff. So I'm going to give it a miss. I don't know the answer is, is my honest answer.
2: Well I've had a bit of a think about it and, and in doing that I just opened up my, my portfolio <laughs> um, <laughs> where, where the hesitation comes from trying to to fit this to that yeah. that structure more yep. so I'm, I'm i'm very big on these companies so, but yep. but i think i think there's enough of an overlap where i can get away with it so i think push pay right, is okay. in that De- definite world okay. leader um a definite traction there great management okay. team long runway for growth i think that's a good option e-road another great kiwi company that's oh, sort of at the forefront actually. yeah yeah i mean the, these guys uh yeah, yeah. oh man I, I won't i won't go into the the the, the weeds but yeah i Would think you Put catapult I, in that in that category yeah i would actually yeah i i definitely would i mean i think in in 10 years time the the no serious sporting organization in the world mm-hmm. will not have at least if not catapults a similar kind of yeah. device and metrics yeah. around yeah. We, we we are we are trending very heavily towards connecting every anything and everything we can up to the internet and collecting <laughs> wads and wads of data and yeah. there's great value in doing that and so Pushpay are doing it in the faith sector. E-Road's doing it in the transportation sector. Catapult's right, doing right. it in the professional so- services sector. Suites doing it in the environmental monitoring sector. Mm-hmm. Alcidian is doing it in the uh, the hospital technology sector. Nanasonics is doing it in the uh, disinfecting sector. You know, I think um, Zero is, is is a really good case in point as well. I think Prometicus is definitely, they are absolutely a, a rule breaker uh, a stock. Um, like I said yesterday on Osbys I think it's, I love it, but it's just so expensive. Um, yeah, and and yeah. technology one, I think all of those names. There's a good list of names there that I think there's at least a decent overlap with that with that concept. Oh, there you go, nice. Um, yeah, I think. And, I, and, and just a that disclosure, I, I own almost all of the ones I mentioned. So just, <laughs> you know. but again, you putting your know. money where your mouth is, right? Like, it's, uh, so it's, I, totally. I don't, I don't say it, uh, 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 you know, uh,
1: embarrassingly. <laughs> I think, yeah, well, if I think it, then that's where I'll put my money, and I have. Yep. No, I think that's right, man. I think that's right. I, I think the 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 one thing I want to add too about rule breaker investing is David is really, really, really great at something that I've been trying to do more of and tell our listeners about for, for a very long time. And, and you've been to the same round, which is thinking about your your investing as a portfolio, not as an individual company. Mm. David's David's strike rate is about four out of ten, so he's wrong more than he's right. Mm. Yeah, so when when we yeah, if he gives you if breakers, he gives you ten
2: picks, six of them are not going to work out well if if history right. is any guide.
1: Yeah. Now he's actually also, by the way, as at the same time, the most successful investor at the Motley Fool, mm. and that's why you need to keep those two thoughts in your head at the same time. Because your, your point, if you, if listeners are listening to your list ram and saying, "Well, I don't think that company will," that company mightn't. David is not mm. absolutely saying this company will, but by definition, he's actually wrong when he thinks that more often than he's mm. right. Mm. The, the point isn't I am always right or this is definitely the case, but on average, if you pick companies that seem to exhibit those traits, the the four winners will more than cover the six losers in, in a way that makes more sense. So it, it is, it is a, it's a portfolio-building philosophy. It's an investing philosophy, not an individual stock-guaranteed success philosophy. And you need yeah. to know that. So will E-Road work for Andrew? I don't know. Uh, will Prometicus work from here? I don't know. Will I work from here? I don't know. But overall, if you said, okay, these companies, and again, David may not do it. We're, we're trying to give our view on his approach. But he, he might say, look, these five, seven, eight companies you haven't mentioned Ram, are all candidates Mm. By definition, probably only two or three of those will actually be the success that we're looking for. And that's mm. okay. In fact, that's that's the feature, not the bug. But you need mm. to know that's likely because that's how this whole thing comes together. Yep. Fair to say? Yep, yep, 100%. 100%. There you go. So let's so, put David so. Gunner on the invite list. We'll try and get him on the podcast at some point. Uh, in the meantime, mate, that's it for us for today. We'll come back on Friday with another Motley Fool Money episode. We look forward to joining you then. In the meantime you can get in touch with us via socials i say this most weeks because i want you to know i want you to get in touch as i said this is the funnest part of this is when we get to interact with you answer your questions hear your thoughts um some of the questions come to us we got i I have lots of fun on twitter so jump on twitter at tmf scott p is my twitter handle it's also my instagram handle are they instagram handles i don't know instagram i'm not on
2: instagram actually yeah i don't know
1: not yet not not cool enough <laughs> tmf scott p on twitter <laughs> i'm not either on twitter and instagram uh the motley fool au also on twitter and instagram and while we're on twitter jump on rams socials at sage underscore simeon and at Strawman invest if you're on facebook look for the motley fool australia and look for scott phillips money and on youtube don't forget to look for the motley fool australia you can email us too: info at fool.com.au with that mate we'll sign off and we'll say see you next friday Full on see you on friday